Welcome to the Aerospace Engineering Podcast. My name is Rainer Groh, Research Fellow of the Royal Academy of Engineering, and on this podcast I have conversations with aerospace pioneers about new technologies at the cutting edge of aerospace design and research. We'll start our episode in a moment, but first a word from our sponsor, Analyswift. Do you work in the design and analysis of aerospace structures and materials? If so, Analyswift's innovative engineering software, SwiftComp, may be the solution you're seeking. Used either independently for virtual testing of aerospace composites, or as a plugin to power conventional FEA codes, SwiftComp delivers the accuracy of 3D FEA in seconds instead of hours. A general-purpose multi-scale modeling program, SwiftComp provides an efficient and accurate tool for modeling aerospace structures and materials featuring anisotropy and heterogeneity. Not only does SwiftCom quickly calculate the complete set of effective properties needed for use in macroscopic structural analysis, it also accurately predicts local stresses and strains in the microstructure for predicting strengths. Find out how others in composites are saving time while improving accuracy, designing earlier in the process, and getting to market more quickly. For a free trial, visit analyswift.com. SwiftComp. Right results, right away. This episode is also sponsored by StressEbook.com, which is an online hub for you if you're interested in aerospace stress engineering. StressEbook.com provides world-class engineering services and online courses on the stress analysis of aircraft structures, as well as a free ebook and blog. No matter if you're a junior or senior structural analyst, StressEbook.com provides you with the skills and know-how to become a champion in your workplace. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Houston, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. On this episode of the Aerospace Engineering Podcast, I'm speaking to Nick Sills, who is the founder of Contra Electric Propulsion Limited. Nick's background is in developing underwater propulsion systems for the offshore oil and gas industry. He has designed products ranging from a hydraulically powered excavator for pipeline root trenching to the world's biggest deep water excavator. He received a Queen's Award for Technological Achievement for the Jet Prop Tool a 5-meter diameter propeller powered by ejecting high-pressure seawater from its propeller blades. And most incredibly, Nick has designed these systems without a formal engineering education. In fact, he is a zoologist by training. Nick founded his most recent company, Contra Electric Propulsion, to develop a contra-rotating propeller system for the light aircraft market. Contra Electric Propeller systems typically use two propellers mounted in series that spin in opposite directions. The fact that props are spinning in both directions alleviates many of the attitude and control problems when flying aircraft. Contra-rotation has rarely found its way onto modern gas-powered aircraft because the variable pitch requirement for efficient operation has made the system overly expensive, complex, and maintenance-intensive. Electric aviation, however, will be a paradigm shift in the world of aircraft. By changing the power source from fossil fuels to electrons, many components of the modern aircraft can be designed differently. The propulsion system is no exception here. With new electric motors, it is now possible to build a much simpler, fixed-pitch, contra-rotating propulsion system for light aircraft. 
As an aerobatic pilot, Nick realized the massive advantages of the immediate torque delivery and reversible thrust that electric motors can provide. That's why he believes that the next big advance in light aircraft propulsion will be a battery-powered, twin-motor, contra-rotating system with fixed-pitch propellers. Since this has now become technically feasible, he is privately building one to prove it. But before we get ahead of ourselves, here's Nick explaining the benefits of contra-rotation. The marine world's been using contra-rotation for a hundred years. The first ones were in electric torpedoes. Um, and, you know, almost everything that's been learned has been forgotten. Nowadays, an awful lot of ships have contra-rotating propellers because it's so much more efficient. And um, I've got a patent on an underwater machine that goes on the back of an ROV, which is contra-rotating. So I, I've, I've known an awful lot about propellers. And I've, this one, you know, when I, we designed this, when I said what I wanted to do to three propeller manufacturers, they said it was impossible, wouldn't work, couldn't be done. And I found one old geezer uh, from Brunson's, tech, Brunson's propellers who said, yeah, yeah, we can do that, Nick, you know. But we had to develop, I mean, this is anything, but uh, everything in this propeller has never been done before in marine propellers. They're very thick blades because they've got high-pressure channels through them. To make thick blades, you have to change the design of the whole propeller. It's like aircraft propellers. They're actually, looks, they look similar, but the technology in this particular propeller is actually pretty high science. And it has been done in, the, in aviation, rockets on the end of um, propellers and stuff like that. But it doesn't really work in gas. It does in, a, in water. works very much better. Um, so the whole technique, even the way of casting and making the propeller, we had to start from scratch. So I've seen the process of designing propellers from the beginning when it's not a normal propeller. And I suppose that's what's encouraged me to do what I'm doing here because we had an 18-month uh, government-funded project to actually design propellers like that, a pair of fixed pitch. They're fixed pitch, and we'll, we'll go through this story later. But the electric motors provide power, as I'm sure you know, in a very different way from a piston or gas turbine. You can't really compare the two. The thing that powers um, out of the 410,000 aeroplanes in the world, 85% of them are driven by propellers. <laughs> there's a fact for you. So there's only 20,000 airliners and 15,000 business jets. They're very small numbers, you know, but it's a big, big industry. But the rest of the world is driven by propellers, and propellers haven't really. Well, they've reached their maximum design as a single propeller on the front of a piston or gas turbine plane. When you go electric, everything changes. You can do things that you just can't conceive of with contratating props. Because the piston and the gas turbine, you have to have a variable pitch because the engine has a, has a peak performance and you're always trying to use this performance. So you're optimizing for Yeah, to optimize it. Either side of the engine's performance, you have to vary the pitch of the props, otherwise the engine stops. Electric motors, totally different. You can go from one right to full power, you'll never stall the, the motor, which means you can use fixed pitch props. When you get a fixed pitch, it's very simple. You don't need a mechanism to turn the blades. So instead of needing a military budget, 
you could put it in a light airplane because it's cheap. And that's what I decided to do. And I started this whole project as a hobby. Kind of a pilot. I thought, I'd love to have an airplane. I'm still going to have one like that one. It's called a Furio. Some friends of mine in New Zealand build, build them. And we're about to, next year, hopefully, change one from a piston engine airplane to an electric contratating airplane. And that will be a stunning airplane. I mean, totally different performance. So when you talk about the performance, what is the benefit of, in terms of performance of the contra-rotating versus just the classic propeller that we see okay. in the front of a... The classic propeller, the more and more power you put in it, the more and more swirl, if you like, you get off the propeller. You can't stop it. And that tries to turn the airplane upside down. To rotate the airplane, to try, and it's also the engine. Uh, you know, in your car, when you throttle your car up, your engine rocks. Well, the same thing happens with a piston engine or a gas turbine, if it's one, if it's a single one, in an airplane. So it tries to, it's always trying to make the airplane do funny things. One of the biggest problems in aviation is, is your, is when you apply a lot of horsepower to an airplane, if you did it with, say, a very powerful, big-engined, big-propeller airplane like Spitfire in the war, put too much power in, it just flip upside down. Because until you get moving quite quickly, your rudder and your other surfaces can't stop it. Also, if you had a vertical takeoff airplane, if you stood on this tail with one propeller, as soon as you left the ground, the propeller, uh, the plane would start rotating. Your, that's the problem. The minute you go to contra-rotating propellers, each force cancels itself out. So there is no yaw. So you can go full power, no power, full power, at that sort of speed. You can't conceive of that with a piston engine. Um, the other major thing, you can do electric motor um, and contratation because you've got no yaw, it doesn't affect the way the aeroplane flies, um, you can go full reverse. Wow, uh, you cannot do that with a piston or a gas turbine. You can make the blades negative, it takes quite a time. Means if you had two contra-rotating props, you'd have to have them a long way apart because you know, you've got to turn the blades, and you need a military budget. No, you can put the same thing on a light airplane, two-seat airplane. Um, so if you happen to be, say, flying a ski plane on snow or ice, or with floats on water, the thing you want is quite often when you land is to stop quickly. Full reverse. <laughs> That's what you can do with electrics. And the propeller project that we had uh, funded by the government um, designed the props to be reversible. Most aerofoils, if you make a plane, if you push an, air back, uh, an airplane backwards, it doesn't fly. Mm -hmm. Reason? Because it's got aerofoils, and that's what propellers are. So the propellers we designed, the, aer the actual, one of the, 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 the features of the, of the propeller, or both propellers, which are totally different from each other, they're not two propellers the same. Um, is at the ends, uh, out of 30% of the diameter is a symmetrical airfoil that can actually go backwards and it will produce thrust backwards as well as forwards. So technically, again, it's, it's the first time in the world it's ever been done because no one's designed propellers to go backwards. <laughs> it's, just, it's like this. It's a completely new um, science, if you like. So to test all this, I mean, that was my, that's what I wanted to do, was to go from military um, piston 
or gas turbine-driven contractating systems, of which there are a lot in the 1950s, be able to go and take that system to a light aeroplane. Because for a light aeroplane, it's the holy grail. The whole plane changes. First of all, if you look at that picture there, on the left, you've got a piston engine aircraft. That's as they are today. Got a 180 horsepower piston. If we go to the right picture, that's what we, by putting a, this system in the nose of the aeroplane, you suddenly change your plane from a single piston to a twin-engine aeroplane. Different class of aeroplane. You can fly in classified airspace. Um, you can fly over water legally because you're twin-engine. You can do so many different things, but the engines are on the nose of the aeroplane, not the two wings. If you have an engine failure with one prop behind the other, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't make a lot of difference. You don't get this tremendous yaw. Whereas if you fly a twin-engine aeroplane today, it's got an engine on each wing. You have to have a rating to cope with the problem of if one engine stops, you've got a really <laughs> difficult aeroplane to fly. With contemplating twin-engine aeroplane, no difference. So... <clears throat> There's a whole mass of uh, benefits from going contratation, which I know from my marine days uh, apply to aircraft. For instance, you get much better acceleration. Um, two propellers, or if you like, multi-stage pump or compressor, you know, if you have one, one stage, it can go maybe five PSI and so much flow. Two stages, you can raise the pressure, and so on. So the same thing happens with two contratating propellers. The air coming off the back of the propeller is actually moving faster than it can ever be moved by a single one. And you could have six stages, if you like, and have it really fast. Right, so it's like multi-staging. Gas turbine yeah. compressor. Yeah, like a gas turbine, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Compressor, that's what it is. Yeah. If you put more and more blades on and put them in a duct, it becomes a compressor. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the whole... Technology behind it is, is actually mind-bogglingly simple. It's stuff that we did years and years ago, but for some reason, we'd never been able to use it in light aviation because a piston and a gas turbine system using contratating propellers cost millions of pounds. Right. Now it doesn't. Okay. Electric motors have totally changed the idea. So as soon as I figured out how we could do it, um, we tested it. I mean, you've probably seen some of the, uh, my website where we had to put it on a car. And we made a very clever system, which is basically one motor behind the other with a shaft straight through the middle, one going one way, one going the other. Um, so it, it's, <laughs> it's a very, very simple system mm -hmm. to fit an aeroplane, much less complicated than the piston or gas turbine. That's the first thing. There are other, obviously, there are, there are downsides to it too. But the, the big plus is acceleration. So you can actually, A, you can go full full um, power, you go, um, you can throttle up much quicker than you can with a piston or a gas turbine. They have to warm up, uh, get the oil circulating, all this sort of stuff, and gradually you can increase the horsepower. Electric motor, you can get in your airplane and go full power in a matter of seconds if you want to, and you go full reverse. It's that different. Right. So the opportunities, the aircraft, uh, different. You can design aircraft completely differently using this system. If you want to be a vertical takeoff aircraft, I'm not, we've actually looked at it. You actually put the aircraft on its tail because it's contra-rotating. It can hover just above the ground. The airplane won't do anything. It just 
So you can, if you've got enough power, vertical takeoff. Wow. You cannot do one propeller. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's an application for it, because although the Americans made quite a few propeller-driven vertical takeoff aircraft, landing them was a bugger. <laughs> you know, coming back to taking off one thing, coming down is quite another, and translating to, to horizontal fly system. So it'll be the drone, the air taxis, all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's the safety factor also that comes into play. Because it's now a twin-engine aeroplane, and you can have a failure the way you design it. Two batteries, two inverters, two control systems. It's a totally twin-engine aeroplane, which you, know, you cannot do in light aeroplanes really any other way until you've got an engine on each wing, and then that's a different aeroplane. Mm-hmm. So a lot of modern aeroplanes that are around right now that are driven by single propellers can be upgraded or converted. But really, this is much more applicable to airplanes like the Furio and your particular subject um, of composites comes into it. Because the Furio was designed originally by a guy called Salafrati. He designed it when it, and it was called a Falco. And the Falco was a very exotic wooden airplane. Uh, and Salafrati was a mate of Enzo Ferrari. Wow. Italian designer, mm-hmm. uh, and it was designed in the 1950s, amazing little aeroplane. An Australia, uh, um, the New Zealand company called Fowl Composite, with um, Free, the father, and the father who was a friend of Celefrati, called Lestrini, and the lap of Lestrini, who's an aircraft designer, they designed a carbon fiber composite machine with the same profile, basically, as the Falco. The Falco are a fantastic plane. There's loads of them flying around. Um, but the difference is the Furio is the actual structure of the aeroplane is incredibly strong and light, much, much lighter and stronger than the wooden one. So the difference and the reason I've chosen this particular aeroplane to do what I want to do is because if you strip out all the ice, all the internal combustion engine components, fuel tanks, pipework, engine, take it all away. And because you buy the plane as a kit, you, you just don't have to put it in the first place. If you take all that out, with the undercarriage and the control systems and everything else, but minus all the combustion engine systems, it weighs 400, uh, 400 kilos. The takeoff weight of the airplane, maximum takeoff weight, is 1,220, uh, 12, 1,250 kilos. So it's got a massive payload. You've got 850 kilos to play with. Virtually no other small airplane has got that capacity. One Achilles heel of electric propulsion right now is batteries, yeah, energy density. Uh, so to get that about an hour's performance out of a plane like that, an hour's flight, you need about between 400 and 450 kilos of batteries. Yeah, that's the problem. The airplane right now carries that particular airplane has four, it can carry 400 litres of fuel, can fly for 10 hours. That's twice treble what most airplanes can even consider. It's, it's getting into, it's an, it is a truly different airplane, that's the point. So the Furio was chosen, chosen, and I've known Lapo, the guy who designed it for five years. I've spent a lot of time in New Zealand. I've flown the airplane with him, we've done aerobatics, and it's a fully aerobatic airplane. And you know, for five years we've been talking about, let's make this airplane 
which is designed to take 300 horsepower, 300 horsepower contra-rotating airplane, because it will be an absolute stunning mm-hmm. airplane. Mm-hmm. There'll be nothing on the planet like it. So that's really what I've been doing, and it's all been a bit of a hobby. Although there's lots of airplanes coming out now that are electric, and obviously you've heard about what happened. There was a very unfortunate accident with the Siemens airplane last Thursday, the Magnus. I don't know what happened. I don't think anybody does yet, which is rather put a down on electric airplanes. But that's a completely different type of development. And Dr. Frank Anton, who I know and I've met at various conferences, who's the Siemens aero propulsion guy and I talked about it and I said well I think what you're doing is crazy why do you want to change piston engine for electric motor and put the same propeller on the front basically you don't achieve anything it's electric now you've got one sixth of the range (laughs) and you've got a slight uplift in performance but if you go twin engine contra-rotating You've got an utterly different airplane. Yeah, you make a very good point. Yeah, that per, that perhaps when you go to fully electric, it's a paradigm shift. So why not? It is change the mode of propulsion as well and go yeah, contra electric. What drives the airplane? Mm-hmm. The propeller. What has been the problem for sixty years of development is the fact you've got one propeller that causes yaw. So the airplane's designed to cope with it. Just getting rid of the, the, the rudder and the trim of the aeroplane to resist rolling forces when you're flying takes away between 4 and 7% of the aircraft's energy. It's drag because you're continually trying to stop the thing rotating. Mm-hmm. If you go contra-rotating, you lose all that. You don't even, although you still need a rudder for control, you don't actually use it for the same purpose. So before you've even done anything else, just by using the same horsepower with two propellers, um, contra-rotating propellers, you get an extra 5% bang for your buck. So you get 5% better fuel economy for doing nothing, just having two props. And the simpler props, because they're fixed pitch, they're not, con- you know, they're not variable pitch, because you don't need them. The other thing that's interesting about multi-propellers, just as you do with compressors in the gas turbine, once you, it will, one propeller, you've got a maximum speed of air that it can produce. Otherwise, it slips. It's just the same with uh, marine propellers. So your airplane speed is, with most single propellers, is basically maxed out at about 0.5 Mach. The minute you use two propellers, one feeding the other, and you get a bigger acceleration of the air coming out the back, although you get less mass, you've got a higher acceleration. You actually give the airplane about 0.1 of a Mach speed advantage. So instead of 0.5 Mach for most single engine, single propeller airplanes, you can go to 0.6 Mach. So the airplane itself is actually considerably faster. 75 miles an hour faster. 0.1 of a Mach is about 75 miles an hour. Um, if you just go contra-rotating. So not only do you get more bang for your butt, you can actually... The airplane, if it's designed, you know, obviously from the drag point of view, if it's designed as a slippery airplane, will actually go 70 miles, mm-hmm. 75 miles an hour, well, 50 miles an hour, faster for the same horsepower. This isn't double or, you know, it's the same horsepower. Um, so that's another sort of rather big advantage. Yeah. 
if you use two contra-rotating propellers, the same horsepower as a single piston engine, the single piston engine can either have a big two-bladed propeller, or you can have four blades and you make the propeller a bit smaller. You can keep doing this, but it becomes less efficient once you've got lots and lots of blades, like a fan. Um, so there's the most efficient propeller really is two blades. Um, a lot of airplanes have three blades, but if you stick to two, if you've got contra-rotating blades, you've actually got four blades. <laughs> so it gets smaller. So for the same horsepower, your, your disc is smaller. So if you've got a long under, if you've got like a Spitfire, it's got a huge propeller so to actually absorb the horsepower, it's got four blades. It looks, you know, it's, it's got a massive long undercarriage. If you look at the Spitfires that have um, contratating propellers, there are some on Merlins and gearboxes, you actually need a smaller undercarriage because you don't need, you haven't got such a big propeller. So, you know, there's all sorts of things you can do with an aeroplane. You can change the length of its undercarriage, make it much easier because a long undercarriage, folding it away is really, really difficult. Some aeroplanes, in fact, in many aeroplanes, you can't fold it away, it's just in the room. So, there's all sorts of things like that. Um, the fuel tanks, generally, because you've got a large volume of fuel, um, 400 litres of fuel, you know, 400 litres of space, that's a huge area, you've got a, a huge, huge volume, so you fill up the wings. So, you know, it has a big effect on how you um, recover the undercarriage. Perhaps one of the biggest advantages of contra-rotating contra electric propulsion, which people haven't really clicked onto yet and won't come until we start looking at bigger aeroplanes, is the fact that if you're electron-powered, you don't change weight. Uh, a jumbo, uh, 747, 400 aeroplane, carries 140 tonnes of fuel, 150 tonnes of fuel, it flies from London to, to um, this is talking extremes if you like. If you go from London to Singapore, you burn 130 tons of fuel. So the airplane takes off just under 400 tons and lands at 280 or something. The most dangerous time for the structure of that airplane is when it lands with no fuel. The wings literally want to snap off. 20% of the structure of the airplane designed to cope with the changing weight of fuel. So you're already, and this is an argument people use against electrification, well, you've got to carry all those heavy batteries. Uh, yeah, but if you go to Jumbo, you have to make the airplane 20% stronger, 20% heavier to actually cope with the changing weight. So, you know, where do the arguments stop? Yeah. And it's all these things that are beginning to come out of the woodwork where designers are realising that... Um, if you go electric, you've got a whole new ball game to design a bigger aircraft, obviously, longer further down the line. But I, in my little world, I think you know you should introduce this type of propulsion in small airplanes first. You know, Wilbur Wright didn't design the jumbo; it took a hundred years to get there. So I think the way in which and Siemens are doing it to some extent, but why go with a single prop? That's a ridiculous mm -hmm. idea mm -hmm. to use technology. It mm -hmm. doesn't it doesn't show what you can do with it. Yeah. So that's that's where I'm coming from. And I spent days, months, years trying to talk to people. 
uh, particularly the government and, and people, um, about the advantages for two generalization if you go electric contra-rotating. So the advantages of contra-rotating electric propulsion seem to be pretty apparent. Of course, no technology is a panacea and has its downsides and risks during development. But I would say that the promise and potential impact of this technology on the future of electric aviation is significant enough to warrant the requisite funding to get it off the ground. However, apart from an early grant from the government, Nick has been funding this project entirely by himself. By retrofitting a car with a tail-mounted contra-rotating system, he has demonstrated the feasibility of the design. But having a proof of concept on a car or in a shed is often not enough to attract support from funders. Nick has a particularly pertinent historic story to share on this topic. My biggest supporter, funnily enough, um, this is quite a funny story, uh, about a year ago I took the system um, to Cranfield Institute, uh, well, Cranfield Institute, University, and um, uh, to show this um, contra-rotating system, it wasn't on the car, it was just on the stand, to the Festival of Flight. And this guy came along, tall guy came along, and he started chatting to me and said, wow, this is really new. We got talking and he said, actually, he said, I really, really understand what all this is about. And so I was beginning to get quite sort of chatty with him. And I said, well, a friend of mine, um, who is a chief architect at Airbus, and I know he's retired now, but he said to me once, Nick, have you any, any appreciation of the impact uh, electric propulsion will have on the design of future airplanes. And he was responsible in his career for the A400, A380, A350, A320. He was responsible for the delivery of those airplanes. And I said, yeah, yes, Roger, I really get the picture. That's why I'm doing it. He said, no, 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 no. Do you really understand the impact it'll have on the design of future airplanes? And I said, yeah, Roger. He said it's greater than the invention of the um, a jet engine. This is what he said to me. So I repeated this to this guy. And he said, ah. He said, yeah, I think, and he patted me on the shoulder, he's a big bloke. He said, I think I'd better introduce myself, Nick. Oh, yeah. He said, my name's Ian Whittle. I thought, what, Sir Frank Whittle, son? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Um, but then he said, Nick, I absolutely agree with you. This will, in, you know, in, civil, in a general aviation, it will replace gas turbines. You know, he said, they're finished. This is electric is coming, even in big aircraft. Anyway, I know we correspond a lot. And, and he, he, in his life, he was a 747 captain. That's what he did. And he took part in a lot of discussions with his father when um, his father had several breakdowns. I mean... Had tremendous trouble, but one of the points he said to me after he said, "Yeah, Nick, this is this is really it," and you know, I'd like to be involved. So he said, "But I, I reckon you're at the stage, same stage in your development as my father was." And bear in mind, this is only a year ago, as my father was in 1934. He said, "No one would believe it. The patents had lapsed. He couldn't get any money." He said he just couldn't get anyone interested that jet engine would be of any use. And even then, the best use they could think of for, for the jet engine, a new, completely new form of propulsion, was delivering post. 
They didn't conceive of electric passenger, of a gas turbine passenger liners. You know, it's, it's, it's how you think about these things. So I, I, I argue black and blue to people that you really should take this whole thing on board. Britain doesn't have a GA industry right now. This is a chance to become an engine manufacturer to the world. No one's interested. <laughs> I think, you know, you've got everything already here. Um, you've got a design that we can't, it'll cost about half a million pounds to put, to buy the aeroplane, put it in the aeroplane and test fly. It's nothing, it's peanuts compared to what people spend on cars. And, you know, you've got this, not resistance, because of course this is not exactly what piston engine manufacturers want to, to know about, you know, because the, the, their business is about to slowly nosedive. It'll be management of change and it'll take 10 years, but in 10 years time, I'd be surprised if half the airplanes, or at least the new ones, aren't electric. Contraitating. Yeah. Propulsion system. Because it's, a, it's obviously the way to go. Okay, to get range, you need to increase, improve the battery. But the biggest single research project on the planet right now is to in, improve the density, the engine density of batteries. It's going to happen. You know, there are there's chemistries out there right now that if I had a military budget, I could stuff three times the energy in the airplane for the same weight, but I can't afford to cut on the input of the batteries. So, you know, that is going to come. You know, Tesla batteries are very... They're good, but they're very energy lean, really. But the minute uh, aviation uh, understands that the minute you get double the capacity of the present batteries, petrol engines are finished in airplanes. The interesting thing about batteries is, theoretically, even now, you can stuff three times the energy per kilogram into a battery than you can in, than you can in hydrocarbons. So there'll be a point where you can get three times the present range that an airplane has with fuel. They can fly all the way around the world without landing. You know, that's what's actually coming. And it's, it's electric propulsion that's going to do it. Okay, I understand it will be gas turbine generators driving batteries and electric motors to start with. And that's what Siemens are doing with this. Uh, hybrid system. Hybrid, yeah. And it's any way of extending range. The other thing I haven't mentioned about batteries um, or, or electric light aeroplanes is if you um, want to operate a plane at very high power, which is where the high performance comes from, electric motors and batteries can do that. So you can have one horsepower, you can have the maximum, in this case we're putting 300 horsepower in. And you can operate at any range in between with absolutely no consequence. You cannot do that with a 300 horsepower piston engine. It has to be rated at 300. And although you probably don't use it at 300 all the time, the 300 horsepower we're putting in, in, in electric motors probably would only operate at, say, 75 horsepower most of the time. But you have the opportunity to go, wham, rocket power. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. You can't do that with a piston engine or a gas turbine. You cannot have that range of power. So again, it's much more efficient. You only draw as many electrons as you need. The efficiency of the motor goes down a bit, but it's most electric motors, the efficiencies we're talking about, you know, you're above 90% of 
efficiency as a system. If you look at a hydrocarbon power system, you know, the total system, you're less than 20%. Yeah. The other 70% that we don't use is heat. Why do you think the contra-rotation or the propulsion has been kind of, uh, hasn't really found its way into aviation? Is that mainly because of the electronic links that once electronic propulsion was possible, then the contra-rotating was on the scene as well? Or is, are there some disadvantages, mechanical disadvantages or complexity disadvantages that make it hard to implement contra-rotation on a, on a fuel, propel, fuel propulsion system? Yeah. In the 1950s and 60s, there was a lot of development in contra-rotating propellers in aircraft. And you'll see 20 leased airplanes that were fitted with contra-rotating propulsion. Most of them were fitted with single engines and gearboxes, Berlin's or, or, or Griffin engines, uh, and um, Americans said the same thing of Pratt Whitney engines, piston engines, and gas turbines. It's immensely complicated. If you drive, uh, there, there are some contra-rotating high-flying uh, Spitfires that are developed in the war, and they, they're unarmed, they're Griffin engine, they had contra-rotating propellers, they went much higher than the standard um, Spitfire could get. The reason is because they had contra-rotating propellers, but they had to put turbochargers in them to make the engines work high, high, high altitude. That's one thing you don't need in an electric airplane is almost immune to altitude. You don't have to change any settings on the engine. But it's the complexity and the cost, the cost of putting uh, contra-rotating propulsion into an aeroplane because it has to have variable pitch props if it's a piston or gas turbine is immense. It's way outside what you could afford for civil aviation. Uh, you know, it just doesn't happen. But if you've got a military budget, the fastest aeroplane at the moment in the air, a contra-rotating aeroplane, is the Russian Bear. It comes across and we've got our fighters. And that aircraft has been in operation 40 years. It's the fastest prop-driven airplane in the world. What's it got? Gas turbine-driven, contra-rotating props. It flies 500 miles an hour, something like that. It's inconceivable with one propeller. The Russians are the masters of it. You know, they, they actually, after the war, the Germans were very good at contra-rotation. They were just beginning to sort of introduce it. But it's technically so challenging, the materials and whatever. Um, for pistons and gas turbines. The minute you go to electric motors, the type of electric motors we, we use in aviation were developed by the automotive industry. They've only really been available five years that you can go and buy one. Because these motors cost millions of pounds to develop, but now they make them so you can go and buy them. And instead of putting them in your car, you put them in your aeroplane. You've got all the other systems to, to, to put together too, which is what I ask quite complex, I, I won't kid you, it's not an easy thing to do. So the automotive motors that are made now, that I can buy, there are, there is one in the world, there's only one at the moment, that is suitable for doing what I do, stack one motor behind the other, because um, it's got a big hole in the middle, it's the way it was designed originally. They've all changed now, everyone's got very small shafts basically, that's what people want, electric motors are shafts. That you cannot use to do a, make a contra-rotating system 
because then you could well you can but you have to use a gearbox and that is not really elegant the way we've done it there's two moving parts apart from the bearings that's it yeah so perhaps how, how do you as a, as, a, as a finishing point how do you see the project moving forward so you, you talked about some of your frustra frustrations with getting fun funding for this project how is this project going to go forward from here two ways um, there are um, investors beginning to sniff um, rewards. The problem with doing it with investor or, or venture capitalists is basically you sell your soul, and that isn't, and you lose control of what you're doing. I'm looking for an entrepreneur, very much like myself. I mean, I've, we spent half a million pounds so far getting to where we've got a bloody hobby. You know, um, the propeller side of it was supported by the government. But I recently went to a meeting um, by the government funding organisations, ATI, that's the Aeronautical Technology Technological Institute, Institute that actually provides the funds to organisations like uh, Innovate UK and NATEP, whatever, which NATEP one funded us uh, to do the propeller. Um, that was a story in itself. The propeller uh, development because that was mainly done in Sweden, Sweden. And my partner, I was partnering with Hercules Propellers because I went to Hercules and said, Look, you know, I'm in the company world, we want to make fixed pitch wooden, uh, wooden because it's a very good material to make propellers out of. Um, you know, will we set up a project? So we set up a project and we actually got uh, government funding to do that. Having done all that, I had then had to pay for all the testing of it. Which basically the car cost about £140,000 to actually have a test vehicle um, to test the whole thing. Prove it all, which we've done in our trials, all of you know, all of which I've paid for myself. But I got to the stage now where I thought, well, okay, it's going to cost another half a million pounds. And um, my wife says, hmm, hang on a minute, can't you get someone else to pay for it? So we started looking around for funding, and the government just said, not interested in. Generalization, not interested at all. And we said, well, you know, this is, I explained this after today, that this is a complete, it is a paradigm shift in propulsion. You know, England should provide the opportunity, just like they didn't to Mr. Whittle, they should learn those lessons. And actually, it's such tiny amounts of money um, to do this. If you start small, there are all sorts of projects that the government's funding one of which in Electrified, which is a company I'm associated with, to develop high-powered electric propulsion. Not contraindicating propulsion. This is all abducted uh, fan stuff. And what I didn't explain earlier on, a single propeller gives you, say, 0.5 max speed. That's the fastest aeroplane can fly with that system. Contraindicating propellers, perhaps 0.6 max. Once you get abducted fans, it's different different technology but you're still pushing something out the back and sucking something in the front and you can push that speed up to 0 0.8, 0 0.85 okay you can't go through a sand barrier but you can get much faster and that's the reason that these different things exist there's single props contrastating open rotor props ducted fans and they're looking at ducted fans so they're not looking at the bit in the middle for which 85% of the world's airplanes use a single propeller <laughs> you think Wow, um, that is quite a substantial market. 
China is building, as I understand it, one small regional airport per week. They've bought, in the last five years, Cirrus aeroplanes, Continental engines, and recently Diamond Aviation. Three of the world's leading companies in light aviation. Why? Because they are going to build 10,000 aeroplanes in the next few years. Most of them will probably end up being electric, or half of them. So even in China, there's a massive market. Why is it happening there? It's like mobile phones. They didn't have, um, I mean, China has a bigger mobile phone network now than anyone on earth. Why? Because they had no infrastructure. So they had to invent one. So they went straight for mobile. Same with planes. No roads, no rails. Get China's massive. How do you get around the country? More airplanes. And I think, you know, even that market alone should say to someone in Britain, you know, here's a, here's a £1 billion market in three years. Just selling propulsion systems, not even whole airplanes. Because routinely, airframers and engine makers are different companies. They don't either make airframes or they make engines. The opportunity is there. The government, unfortunately, you know, I've had it straight from the top men who sign all the checks. England is not interested in this, and I find that extraordinary. Extraordinary indeed. That's it from me today. If you would like to learn more about Nick Sill's company, Contra Electric Propulsion, and the Electric Contra Rotating Propeller Project, then head over to aerospaceengineeringblog.com forward slash podcast, where you'll find show notes about everything we discussed in today's episode. And if you enjoy the Airspace Engineering Podcast, then there are a number of ways you can support it. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're tuning in. You can share it on social media with your friends and family. Or you can support the podcast directly on Patreon, where patrons receive exclusive behind-the-scenes content and special episodes. And with that, thank you very much for listening and talk to you next time.